the only classics aren't Chekhov and Shakespeare and Ibsen. It's not just those. There are also Marusha Vilalta. Calling it a classic and presenting this play is allowing for the future to be better. This is our history. This is our legacy. So we are thrilled to have a very special guest on this week's episode, Victoria Collado. Welcome and thank you for joining us for this conversation. Thank you for having me. Yes. <laughs> Victoria Collado is a Cuban-American director passionate about creating exciting and adventurous storytelling experiences. Most recently, she directed the immersive theater piece, The Amparo Experience, which had a sold-out eight-month run and was named Miami's Hottest Ticket by People in Español. She's an acclaimed and respected director across the United States, and we had the pleasure of welcoming her as a director for a reading of A Happy Country for 2021 Expand the Canon Festival. So, Victoria, what are you up to now? What's going on in your life? Yeah, well, right now I am actually in a oral history search project with my company, Aure Camino Collective, and the piece is called uh, The Martians. And so right now what we're doing is collecting Cuban exile stories from people who left prior to the Cuban revolution all the way to now, like the people that are actually being exiled at this moment. And we're creating this photo docu-series with uh, a little bit of documentary and everything. So it's actually a very exciting, very historical time. And it actually reminds me a lot about the, a happy country, actually. <laughs> ooh, ooh, that sounds dope as heck also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's pretty great. We'll link your info down below at the end of the episode for anyone who wants to check out your website and all those things. Hire her. She's amazing. We love her. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So a few of the plays that we have worked for, uh, for Expand the Canon, are translations. And A Happy Country, which is the subject of this episode, was originally a Spanish language play that was translated into English by Edward Huberman. Vicky, I know you have had some experience working on translations, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about whether working with a scholarly translation instead of one done strictly for performance held you back at times, or whether it changed your experience of working on this text. Yeah, I think that what was interesting about such an academic text was it was actually pretty difficult, only because... I, I couldn't fully trust the translation from the dramaturgical standpoint, right? Like it was accurately translating from Spanish to English, but I very much remember this one specific scene in which the academic kind of totally undid what the playwright was doing in Spanish. And so it kind of created this sort of like, well, this script actually isn't accurate to the feeling that the playwright, that Marusha was trying to get through. Do you remember which scene that was? The scene was essentially when the father was essentially saying, I don't want them to control me. I don't want to be controlled by either fascist or communist or anything. And yet in the academic script, it kind of removed some of that. Mm. Like it just, it, it didn't work as well. And so then we actually, you know, in conversation with Mary, we're like, should we try to translate this as best as we can at this moment? Can mm-hmm. we do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it actually gave me an emphasis of like, this script needs to be translated by like a playwright. Mm. Yeah. 
my creative partner, Vanessa Garcia, she's, she's translated a lot of works and I've seen people translate her work from English to Spanish. And there is something about a writer that is in your medium that understands you and then translates it that does something completely different. And we can see that with Chekhov's work, right? Like you can see mm -hmm. the, the mm -hmm. Oxford versions of like the Cherry Orchard and then other people's versions of the Cherry Orchard. Mm -hmm. And you're like, holy moly, that's a completely different play. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of it is, you know, whether someone just jives with the writing style mm -hmm. particularly Absolutely. well. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And understanding the, the context, right? Like I think understanding what in this particular play... Understanding that that Marusha left Spain, <laughs> yeah, you know, and and what that trajectory meant, and even though this play is in a setting of uh, that is a, an undescript nation, like understanding who she is and why these things mean what they mean, not just from a a like historical, just factual, but just like what people were going through, it just changes how you uh, grasp the work and what you connect with, and so it's it's vital, it's truly vital. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good point about Marusha herself also, because I mean, we'll, we've touched on this already in the episode we've recorded about this <laughs> podcast, which will, so folks will be able to tune in. Uh, but we've talked about this a little bit already of how she, as you alluded to, fled Spain, fled fascism, her family were political dissidents. And so this is personal for her. This is a personal story. And I'm sure is personal for a lot of the people who have lived this experience and might resonate with the subject matter. Correct. Yeah. It's good to have a translator who can understand that and speak to that. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. My, my question is, I, I would want to hear what you, Vicky, would, would say to inspire a playwright or a theater translator to take on a new translation of this work. Trust me, I already talked to a couple of playwright friends. I'm like, hey, you should really check this out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, <man. Okay>. Yes. <laughs> Love that. Because... It's such a, it's such a vital play, especially in understanding statism, right? And I think that that mm. was something that the, the academic translation was not getting was that Marusha's just saying any form of statism, whether it's communism or fascism, even though people consider these things to be total opposites, extremism is a circle and they're at the other edge of the circle, mm. right? And so the, the understanding of like a lot of these countries and these people whose stories these belo these belong to they're constantly fighting a form of statism and not allowing that to happen and so understanding that is not only vital for like latin american uh, works that need to be conserved and and you know pushed forward but also because there's a lot of countries in the world that haven't dealt with that and so you can learn so much just from marusha's experience right like marusha just saying like, hey, no fascism, please don't do that. Like nobody should be controlling us. Like no one ever, 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 ever. Right. So I think that there is what I would say to these playwrights is you translating this work right now is preserving a piece of history that's going to get forgotten if we don't do it. Because unfortunately, everything's very Anglo. You know, everybody knows the Chekhov stories, mm -hmm. but nobody knows the Marusha Vilalta story. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so we need those and we need to learn from each other because we're... I mean, we're recording this right now, March 6, 2022, mm -hmm. and the world is in a very specific state right now. And so learning from people who have gone through things is very, very vital. And plays have always been that for us. 
That's that's really beautiful. Yeah, I think especially these days, knowing and, and understanding how to relate to each other despite our, you know, either cultural difference or background differences is is always important. And theater is, like you said, theater is the way to do that. I think this play is also such a, a wonderful piece of work in that it speaks to something very culturally specific. In America, there's, you know, we have this whole history of interfering in a lot of Latin American countries. And like this play speaks to sort of that experience and that Mm -hmm. problem in a, in a way that is often overlooked in American history classes, in the way we talk about those issues in this country that is also still playing out today, obviously, um, and is also playing out today in other global stages. Yeah. And it's funny because now that you said that, it it reminds me exactly of the moment that was a, a, a part of the translation issue. The tourist is there and there's this conversation about what can I do? You know, as the daughter of Cuban immigrant, Cuban, I, I say Cuban immigrants, but it's truly Cuban refugees mm. who had to escape home to survive. I mean, my grandmother escaped Cuba at the age of 60, right? Mm-hmm. She's 107. She's about to turn 107. She oh is my God. Alive. <gasps> yeah. Go grandma. But she started life again at 60 and the other grandma started life again at 40, right? Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I remember that scene very viscerally because, you know, it was right after July 11th had happened in Cuba, which for those that don't know, was when the people of the country rose up and were like, we want freedom. We legitimately want freedom. This is what we want. This is what we're talking about. And it it might have made a blip in somebody's news feed at some point. And for us, Cuban Americans and Cubans and exiles, we're, we're constantly tapped in there. And the scene itself, he says, what I need you is to go tell the story out there. That's what I need from you, person from the outside. This is what I need. I don't necessarily need you to come in here and do anything, but what I need you to do is to spread this forward. And, you know, mm-hmm. in Cuba, where there is locked internet and, and it, the government chooses when or not to put the internet <laughs> to, to who they want, like they can pinpoint who gets internet and who doesn't. And the one thing that is allowing people to fight for their freedom is the internet. Like it just connected with me of like, there is a, we do have a global responsibility with each other. Is it necessarily invading people? No. But is it knowing that we are not just islands and anymore, like we have social media and, and the ability of like share our story, tell us what's going on there. Don't support this oppressive government. Like what the people of Ukraine are doing right now. Right. They're like, why are we even giving any fuel to Putin? You know, exactly that. Yeah. In terms of like, uh, you know, obviously the importance of sharing this story, I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how you would want to see the story told a little bit more Mm. in your director hat. So I know that we've seen a lot of change in the last few years in our sort of shared theatrical experience with COVID of no theater for months to like 8,000 Zoom readings a month to (laughs) finally being in the room again together sometimes, sometimes for like a month at a time, maybe not, who knows, it's always changing. Um, And I know when we produced our reading with you of A Happy Country, we were still confined by uh, the rules of our time. So that was a Zoom reading. Um, however, however, uh, when Broadway comes calling or regional theaters or your playwright friends want to pick up this production, uh, who are you hoping to see in that room? Like, what do you what do you want to see on the in the fully realized on stage version of this play? Wow, what a dream. Um, 
Well, of course, my brain wants to go super immersive and I want to like put this little <gasps> island in the middle of water and, <laughs> and just have the whole staging happen in there. But that's just Victoria Coyalo being crazy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I would what I would really what I love about this is that um, I would love that the actors on stage are actors from different backgrounds. Um, mm -hmm different Latin American backgrounds because something that the Latinx community goes through a lot mm. is like, you know, let's just clump them all together. Yeah. They are all the same. And they're and we're not. We're really not. And we have different we all like a Guatemalan experience is very different than a Puerto Rican experience. It's never very different from a Dominican experience. Mm -hmm. You know, there is there's Afro Latinidad that, you know, is is going through so much to just get their voice out there. That um, that it would be great to have different people from different Latin American backgrounds, because I feel that that conversation together in the room, like it's going to be exciting for the audience. But I think that even just the table work time of all these people with different points of view coming together and having a conversation it could, I don't know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an optimist, so I'm like, it could change the fate of Latin America. <laughs> but, but I would love to see this like multiple faceted representation on stage and, and really just get the audiences. I think that's the perk of this play is that it's just, you don't have to put, it could be whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. But I think that the world can come together, meaning like the audience, the American audience can come in and get something out of it, you know. The tourist is a is a character that is the outsider, and if you want to look in, this is the perfect play to to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just the beginning of the dreams. I could go on if I had three billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. <laughs> Are there any like uh, if you were if we're hoping to pitch this play, and mm -hmm. then somebody will hear this and be like, "Yes, Vic Vicky Collado, I want your immersive <laughs> version of this play. Let's do it." Are there like any sort of just little producing concerns you might want folks to be aware of, or things you would want them to think carefully about in terms of like how they hired for this play, or how they cast it, or anything like that? Yeah, I think that the most important thing is that Marusha has proposed for us a world without necessarily all of our given circumstances meaning this isn't colombia this isn't uh mexico this is a, a happy country right and that to not let how we think of the world today be the thing that's influencing it but to come in and see what what happens right like i don't know if that makes sense with what i'm trying to say but it's just trying not to impose, which is very hard. And I'll tell you that from experience because I was reading this play and I saw Cuba, right? Mm -hmm. And I had to work extra hard <laughs> to be like, this is not the Cuba play, Vicky. Calm down. Mm, yeah. But, but you know, in the next approach, I'm going to say the next approach, like we already have it. In the next approach, I really would want us to go from within and just explore the world again and not impose anything that we think we know on it. I mm. hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> now I'm picturing it in, you know, <laughs> in the in middle. the water. The, yeah, the water. Yeah, the island in the water. I think that's so wonderful. Sold. <laughs> yeah, it's sold. Exactly. I love this. How would you pitch this play to an artistic director to include in their season? Because a lot of the time, you know, these plays that we're adding on, their, on our list 
we consider classics. Mm-hmm. We know they're classics and we want people to to diversify their seasons and, and add them in. So how would you, I don't want to use the word convince, I'm not going to, but how do you pitch <laughs> this play? <laughs> because no one should be convinced, like you should just do this play. Um, right. But yeah, how would you pitch this uh, this to an artistic director or a, a group of people building their season? Yeah. So I would start with, it is a truth universally acknowledged that he who controls how we tell history is the one that controls the world. I know this to be true, even from like, I know I always talk about Cuba, but it's very hard for me. I mean, a lot of my work and knowledge comes from there. But, you know, how Cuba is spoken about is controlled by the person who's controlling the storytelling, in this case, the government, right? And we talk a lot about, you know, diversity and we talk a lot about inclusion. However, we're only talking about the present, which is great, but history is still, which is why we're trying to educate our students more about racism and everything, you know, the history as as it was, right? As it truly was. So that when we're sharing that history, we can actually know all our facts to in order to move forward. And so I would pitch it by saying, putting this play and calling it a classic the way that it is and presenting this play is allowing for the future to be better. It is allowing us to go back to what, you know, and not repeat our mistake that has been forgotten, right? It's like the only classics aren't Chekhov and Shakespeare and Ibsen, you know, like it's not just those. There are also Marusha Vilalta, right? So I think that that's the beginning of a very bad pitch, but... <laughs> but <laughs> it's a great pitch. <laughs> but in a much more refined way, I would say like allowing our history to be presented is actually diversity and inclusion. Like... Yes, we have to do work in the present and, and we have to keep telling those other stories, but we also have to do the work of of shining light on those that have been covered and need to be uncovered. Mm. I'm I'm like hooked now. I I want to put it up. <laughs> in terms of like the setting a little bit, mm-hmm. I, I know uh, we've touched on this a little bit already, but Marusha Vilata specifically sets the play in a using her own words, unnamed Spanish-speaking country. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered if you could speak a little bit more to like how you feel that specific verbiage makes room for different interpretations or lived experiences or what you think that specific setting means and why she chose to phrase it that way. I think that there's something so beautiful about alternate presence, or in this case, alternate pasts, right? Um, because it, it allows you to enter the space as you are and discover what the world would be like. Right. And even though she does ground it, you know, I I think that's something that's interesting is that she does ground it with like fascism, communism, uh, military governments. Like it is still a world of this world. Right. But opening it up automatically removes any uh, preconceived notion, right? It's it's different if she said, like, this is Mexico, and there's a preconceived notion of that, than if you said Colombia, than if you said Peru, than if you said Chile. like, and, and it also depends on who's coming in, right? I would have a different opinion, knowing as much as I know about Latin America and everything, um, but it might be different from somebody from Syria. Like they might be like, I have no idea what this is, but removing a country or removing anything allows for the humans inside of the piece 
to be valued for their values and who, what they stand for mm -hmm. and where they are right and where they are wrong and what we agree with and what we don't agree with, right? Um, and I think that what was beautiful, and we saw that a little bit, even within our cast, there's, there's like a diverse uh, knowledge of like um, historical figures and, and, and how we think of those people. And, and it was interesting to see like, but we all agree on this. Like we see that this is not okay. Right. Okay, great. So it was all the removal of all this, like what we have in America, essentially of like, if you're Republican, it's this, if you're Democrat is that like, those are, you know, like not blinding anybody with any of that, but just coming in and looking at the core of it. And I think that what's beautiful about that is that we have a, a, essentially what the actual meaning of a safe space to explore. Mm. She's a smart gal, this Marusha. <laughs> very. <laughs> she's up to. Very, 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 very smart. I'm like, I'm so happy. I, I'm like, I was upset that I didn't know of her before this. So you all opened mm. up to me. I'm like, wait, what? What is <laughs> happening? I, I think that's why my mind was even extra blown. I was like, this is the best thing ever. Oh my God, amazing. I love seeing <laughs> the play, the ETC play at work and, and seeing that it's actually, you know, affecting people and, and working. That's, that's wonderful to hear. She's definitely one of the ones that we were excited to discover as well. She's just a fascinating woman with a fascinating personal life and obviously an immensely talented writer with writing that speaks to both the moment she was writing in and tragically our moment now yes. still. Yeah. I wanted to just like also open it up to you if you had any other things that you wanted to share about like your experience working on this, things you loved about the process or things uh, in the play that you remember really speaking to you that you haven't gotten to talk about. Yeah, I think like if I could wrap it up th in this way, this play really did expand my mind, <laughs> pun very much intended. Um, hey. <laughs> into, into actually opening up and seeing like what was out there, you know, like I, I had known a lot about plays, you know, I, I worked at Repertorio Español and, and we had to like do Spanish golden age plays and, you know, we had to, we had to mm -hmm. find the work, but it was so hard. Like I had not realized that a Marusha Vilalta existed, mm. which was a little bit embarrassing at a second there. I was like, what is happening? How do you not know this? Like, you, <laughs> what are you doing? But I think that that's sort of like, there's so much more to learn and mm -hmm. that there was somebody uh, in her time, which correct me if I'm wrong, it's in the 60s that she writes this or way after she like flees. Yes. Yeah, this one was 60s. 60s, right? And it was like, right before, like, I think that the, obviously the Cuban part of me is like, this lady was talking about something that a whole group of people didn't know was coming. Um mm. And I didn't think that I would read a play by somebody who was not of my same background that I felt like at moments verbatim seen, like word for word. Like, I'm like, oh my God, yes, that's exactly what I'm screaming right now today and back then 2021, right? Like I was like, I'm screaming this today. Like that's what's mm -hmm. happening today. And that sort of um, alignment with someone so specifically, so like, so like close, right? Because sometimes you identify with something, but it, you know, there's things that change, but that tight knit. And I felt like we were crying. This is me being a little bit melodramatic, but I felt like we were crossing time and space here. And I'm like, mm. who is this person? <laughs> mm. And, and just, it just shows the power 
of theater and the written word and the act of coming together as a group to tell a story that it's important to preserve theater and its texts and and what it can do because you can learn so much. Sometimes you don't have to build the machine. The machine's been built for you and you just have to look for it. A freaking wow, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it goes to speak why this is a classic again, because 60 years later, you know, you're having this moment of connection with this woman who wrote 60 years before you about, you know, an experience that you're having now and that was happening then. That's yeah, that's incredible. Well, thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation. We are so glad you were able to be a part of our continued efforts to expand the canon through our festival and by being a part of our podcast today. We really appreciate you being here. Is there anything else you'd like to share about your future projects where folks might be able to find info about maybe tickets or to hear about what you're up to? Yes. So you can follow my company, Abre Camino Collective, A-B-R-E-C-A-M-I-N-O Collective on Instagram and more about the project that we had, we're speaking about earlier, The Martians. That's going to have multiple iterations and a little tour going on. So that's coming up pretty soon. And if people want to catch the social media experience version of the Amparo experience, you can go at the Amparo experience on Instagram and explore a new way of experiencing this story of uh, Cuban exiles that created the Havana Club room. Thank you so much, Vicky, for being here. It's been so fun getting to chat with you. I am so grateful that you had me and and that you even invited me to direct the show. And whenever you guys need me, I'm here. Oh, we will be taking you up yes. on that. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun.